Hi, I'm Reverend Carol Saunders, host of The Spiritual Forum. I'm here with a lot of interesting people who are consciously walking the spiritual path, experiencing and expressing the divine in unique ways and through unique lenses. Everyone here has wisdom to share and an interesting story to tell, all to inspire you on your spiritual path. Welcome to The Forum. Welcome, everyone, to the Spiritual Forum. So glad you're here. I'm real excited about my guest today, and I'll let you know why in a minute. But before we get into that, I would love for you to contact me. If you have a really interesting story, an interesting experience of the divine, an interesting transformation in your life, I'm also looking for people who are living as love and action. I'm really interested in talking to people who are out there actually living as love. And I'd love to talk to you if you're one of those people, or if you know somebody. Uh, last call out for my retreat, which is in less than two weeks. And you can find out more about that. It's called The Road to Eden, and that's on the spiritualform.org slash retreat. And please give a shout out to this podcast if you really get something out of it. It would I would really appreciate if you could leave a, a positive rating and review because all that stuff matters in the material world. <clears throat> doesn't matter so much to me personally, but it does matter in the material world. And I'd like to get this message of, of hope and love and transformation and awakening out in the world. Okay, so that's my run-up. Let me tell you about Alan Abrams. Alan was an ultra-Orthodox Jew living in London. For many years, he taught Jewish philosophy and spent most of his spare time studying Jewish literature. In his early 30s, together with his wife and children, he made the tough decision to leave his job and religion. That was the beginning of a journey that challenged him beyond anything he could ever have imagined. His entire world was turned upside down. It was only a few years ago that he realized that a spiritual revelation he had in his early 20s held the answers to all of life's problems. Now, Alan is living in a small coastal town in Wales with his family, and he wants to help others find the answers they are looking for. I'm excited to have Alan on with me today because I just love talking to people about their stories and something as transformational as as leaving your religion. It's 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 huge, and I just know that there was some really interesting um, wisdom in this. So, welcome, Alan. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. So, thanks for having me. Yeah, well, I, I'm so glad to talk to you across the across the waters in, in Wales and really interested in hearing your story. So why don't I just open by asking you to tell me what you want to tell us about your story and your experience in your 20s and uh, how you got to where you are now. So, <clears throat> so I guess I'll start when I was 18 and then maybe we can just kind of work our way around because there's, there's kind of relevant stuff probably when I'm 10 and 14 and things. Of course. <laughs> but um, so when I was 18, I was um, I was working in London and I was um, kind of enticed to go on a trip with the Jewish outreach um, organization. Um, and they took us to New York and um, and they started talking about Judaism and Jewish philosophy. And they started proving, like giving all these proofs about how you know the Jewish religion is true and it's an absolute kind of reality and, and a fact. And um and I I was I was young. I had questions. My life wasn't quite going as planned. And and I was intrigued and I was kind of getting drawn in and I I, I was listening uh, to what they had to say. Um and I felt like this was the answer to all my problems. But that's what I felt like at the time. I felt like this was gonna 
take me to, to a beautiful place. And so, um, so I became engrossed and I was going to lectures. And, and then after maybe a few months, I made the decision to leave my job and actually go to America and to study um, and to study full time. So it was, a, it was a big decision at the time. Um, and I went, well, my intention was to stay a year and I ended up staying four and a half years in full time study. Um, and it was very, very intense. Like a lot of people there were kind of casual about their studies, but I, I was, there was a drive. I can't explain to, explain to exactly where it came from, but I had a drive. And I, I remember I walked into the study hall on the first day um, and I looked around and it was just a sea of books, you know, huge kind of books everywhere, all in a different language, either Hebrew or Aramaic. And I just remember, I clearly remember saying to myself, I'm not leaving until I can understand all these books. And, and from then on, every day, I was studying from probably six in the morning to 12 at night with hardly any breaks in between. So I'm very, very intense. And I was just soaking everything up. And at the time, I just really believed this was true. This was the truth. This is my new life. This is everything. I just studied and studied and studied. And, um, and that went on for four and a half years, basically, that intense st- studying, really. And, and some beautiful things happened during that time. Some very spiritual things happened. I was very, um, I got very lost in prayer. Prayer became like a meditation for me. Um, but then the studying also became a meditation because after about 10.30 at night, virtually everyone had left. And there was me kind of until normally just after midnight because the lights went off at midnight and then there was something special about being in there all alone kind of for the last maybe 15 minutes. Probably was an ego thing, you know, like there's just something. <laughs> <laughs> there was something nice about it. So, so that went on for about four and, four and a half years. Um, and uh, I, can I, I want to tell you a story that happened though because it was a, it was a fascinating story at the time. I, I think it was about three years in and then financially it was becoming a little bit tricky for me to stay. Um, and I was in real turmoil. I remember I just couldn't make the decision. I wanted to stay, but it didn't really make sense. All my friends were working or my old friends were working. It just it wasn't really adding up anymore, but I didn't know what to do. Um, and I was in the study hall and it was it was after midnight and the lights had gone off. And I, I just remember bursting out into tears because I was just confused. And, uh, and then at the time, I just I prayed to God. I, remember, I, I don't remember exactly what I said, but the, the rough theme of it was, I have no idea what to do. Just give me a sign, anything, you know, anything to help. You know? um, and then I went to bed and I, I woke up the next day and it was you know, a normal day. And then we got to lunchtime and I walked into lunch hall and it was really odd. There was a guy there who had never been there before, but I knew him. I'd met him once um, when I went for a meal uh, at um, one of the families that used to invite us in. Um, so I recognised him. I got my lunch and I sat down. Um, and then he got lunch and he came and sat down. Now, the whole thing was really weird because people didn't come for lunch. You know, there's only students, really, or maybe the rabbis or, you know, the people teaching. But, but anyway, he sat down. And we're just kind of chatting and chatting about different things. And, um, and then he turns to me and he said, I want to support you in your learning. He's like, I'm going to financially support you. He said, I'm going to pay all your seminary fees and then I'm going to give you some pocket money. And I just remember, like, <laughs> you know, when like it's like a burst of emotions. It was like, I prayed to God last night and 
here, here it is. Like that, that doesn't happen. Like it's meant to be like mysterious and it's meant to be like, a little, you know, it's just not meant to happen like that, you know. And I remember I just um, I had this conversation. He just like left. It wasn't like a big deal for him. I don't know what was going on in his mind or, or why he turned up. Something, it must mean something to do with the conversation I had with him when I met him at that lunch, but I have no idea. And uh, I remember I went into study halls. I used to learn through my through lunch. And um, and I remember I just laughed and then I cried and I laughed and I cried. And I just I was just I think I was more confused now than I was before. You know, it's just really weird. Um, but uh, but that was probably my first time. I kind of had a deeply spiritual experience. It was really like real. It was really real as if like, you know, I'm not alone you know, in the universe. Um, and he did. He 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 um, he sponsored me for the rest of my time studying um and the money just came in every month so that's a little aside but it was just kind of a fascinating experience I had you know when I was there um and then and and then I left and um and I ended up working for a Jewish organization um and I was quite young I was in my early 20s but I was kind of thrown into this environment where I was teaching like a whole array of different people I mean everyone was Jewish um but there was young there were people double my age you know, it was kind of really an interesting dynamic. But I was, I was teaching people Jewish philosophy one-on-one. I was doing small classes. I was just kind of finding my feet. Um, and then this Jewish organization, and I don't know how they came to know about it, but they came to find out about a man called Sid Banks. And Sid Banks lived in America. Um, actually, I think it was Canada. Um, and he'd had this... Um, he was enlightened. He he had a very deep spiritual experience. Um, just a man from Scotland um, who was a welder, I think, by trade, and uh, he just had this really deep experience. And he was teaching, you know, what what he learned. Um, and the organisation I worked for getting quite involved, and people were flying out to you know to to see him speak and to see some of his students speak. And um, and I was listening to some tapes and CDs and things at the time when they had tapes and CDs. <laughs> I feel so old. I'm really not very old. Um, and and then eventually I had my turn. They offered me basically to go to Seattle to meet one of his students and to spend a weekend um, <clears throat> out there in Seattle. So I went out there with an open mind. I, I was intrigued by the whole thing. Um, and I'm pretty sure it was on the second day. So I was just in a house. It was by the lake. It was a beautiful place. Um, and the guy there, his name was Chaim, a, a student of, of kind of Sid Banks. And, um, and he started talking about the true nature of thought. Um, and I don't remember exactly the content. And he had a flip chart and he was kind of explaining um, about reality and how our thinking plays a part in reality. Um, and I don't know exactly what he said, but I just burst out into uncontrollable laughter uncontrollable laughter and and Chaim the, the trainer that he he I just remember remember he kept saying like why are you laughing like he was kind of like you know <laughs> it's a confusing moment he was and I couldn't stop laughing I was I was so free and so light and I didn't know why but I just for the first time in my life I just I felt so good for no reason at all and I just couldn't stop laughing. And I then I had no idea how long that went on for. Um, and and I was in just such a, such a beautiful place. And I stayed there, I think it was another couple of days. And and he kept trying to have these conversations with me about, you know, when this kind of passes and you're not feeling so good or you get a bit depressed, let's talk about how you're going to deal with that. And I just thought he was crazy. Like I I couldn't imagine 
ever going back into my personal mind. And maybe I can explain that a little bit later. But I was I was out of all my thinking. I was I was out of that chatter mind, and I was mm-hmm. just calm and and had this beautiful feeling. Just beautiful every, every time I woke up and, and virtually all day, like deep within my stomach and a little bit and throughout the body, just a deep, deep sense of calm and just happy, just for no reason at all. <laughs> and and he, you know, and and it was it was odd the next two days because he we kind of didn't really know what to talk about because I, I was just okay. Like I I, I had not, I had nothing left to ask. And I didn't need to be taught anything else. I was just kind of okay for the first time. And um, and I got home and that was just bizarre because my parents had no idea. I had all this energy and I was calm and I was happy and I didn't know why I was happy particularly. And my my mum kept saying, oh, you know, this can't last. This is this is weird. <laughs> and, you know, no one really understood around me. And, and then I was a little bit confused as well. And uh, and to cut a long story short, after a few weeks, I I started getting pulled back into my personal mind and I, and, and, you know, and, and it felt very uncomfortable. I was different from everyone else. And it was all all rather confusing. And, 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 and that was kind of that. And I kind of, I got, I got lost, I guess, back back into, into, into this physical reality and back into my personal mind. Um, And then if we fast forward, you know, I guess a few years. So, you know, I got married and I had kids and everything and, and, and I was, I was still studying and teaching and, and all that was going on. And, And I was reading and reading and reading and, and you know you get to the end of the book, and then they give you a list of all the books that have been quoted, you know, within the book, you know. So then I'd I'd buy all those books as well, you know. I was just like, <laughs> I was like a real bookworm. I just read all those books, and then all those books, and and it just and I was just you know reading and in my head, and and uh, but my reading was starting to lead me to a place I didn't expect, and, and I guess this was quite academic, but I was coming to a realization where I didn't believe that Judaism was actually true. And that was a big problem for me. So there were a lot of there were some Jews I knew who also didn't believe it was true, but they were quite comfortable with the culture, you know, and just kind of mm-hmm. living within the community. But for me, it was a big deal because I I entered, you know, kind of the, the religious life because I really genuinely believed it was true. And my reading and understanding was taking me to a place where I no longer believed that. And it and it got to a point where I was 100 percent convinced it wasn't true. And now what do I do? Because I'm right in the heart of the Jewish community to the point where I'm opposite the synagogue, you know, I go to, I'm like right there. My job is all about teaching Jewish philosophy. And uh, my wife is ultra-Orthodox like me. My kids are in like an ultra-Orthodox school. It's like, whoa, this is like, what do I do? Where do I go? (laughs) So, um, so eventually, you know, I, I plucked up the courage to start talking to my wife. And, and interestingly, she was pretty more open than I realized and had a lot of questions herself. And, and you know, we, we kind of came to realization eventually, like I said, to cut, again, to cut a long story short, but we, we came to the realization we wanted to leave our religion. Can you can we pause we, for just a second? I just have a question. I've got a few questions for you. But when you say that, that um, you came to realize that Judaism wasn't true, what does that mean? It was... I mean, is it like all of the teachings, the writings, um, like there's there's no value in it or there's value, but it's different than what you thought? Or what does it really mean to you that it wasn't true? It's a good question. I know I saw the value. I never I saw the value in some of the teachings. Yeah. The the stories, you know, like in 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 the Bible. Like know, a literal or the Torah, yeah. So I, I, I believe that was all true, you know. The, like, the, the, that they literally yeah. actually happened exactly as it was written. 
Yeah, and that, okay. and that you know Moses did receive you know the the you know the Ten Commandments and and, and this was all absolute and these were laws you know given by God for us that we had to follow and and I came to realization you know my own realization not to convince anyone else but that, that this just wasn't true and. And, and and that was an issue, you know, for me. Like I said, yeah, it's not necessarily yeah. an issue for everyone because, like you said, there is value to all religion, you know. But for me, it was a big issue, you know. Yeah, and there can be there can be value in the stories without the stories being true. Exactly. Um, you know, and some people throw the whole thing out, and I was I I have no judgment on any of it, but I was just kind of curious if it was like I'm throwing the whole thing out, the whole book, or if it's like I just see that this isn't literal truth, like it's not. It, it may, may, maybe it's historical from a metaphorical standpoint or something like that, but not completely, you know, true as you had thought. So um, it sounds like that's kind of where you landed. Like there's still value, but it's not true for you. Yeah, and yeah, I think that's correct. But yeah. also, like Judaism is quite intense, you know, in terms of like, so you know, I, you know, like on the Sabbath, you know, you can't use electricity, and you know, right, and, right. So, so it's like if it started to become like, well, if I don't believe it's true it started to feel quite restrictive and then it also started to feel quite restrictive for my wife, you know? So, so I think that's where the, the conflict started to come in, into play. Um, that it was fine when we believed it was true, but now it's kind of like, now it's very restrictive, you know? Right. Right. And I can see that your life was so entwined in that world. So how do you extricate yourself or how do you stay in it, but not, but, but feeling so completely different. Yeah. So, so this was probably the hardest the hardest point in my entire life is, is is it was the scariest thing you know because you know the outside world was unknown there was no guarantee this was going to work out and we didn't actually know how to do it either you know like you know, how do I get a new job and I don't have any skills and yeah there, there was no there, there was there was just like well, we didn't really know how we we're going to do it but but the, the tricky thing about this stage of my life is because I started questioning religion I started questioning everything so it was now, you know, now I was questioning God and spirituality, and now I was grappling with atheism. And I mean, there was like then, then our whole marriage fell apart because we started questioning our marriage. You know, like what, why are we together? Like, what is marriage? Oh, every, you know, like no, I get it. Yeah, I mean, the, I, like, the awakening process is rough like that. You start questioning. You start. I think this is why a lot of people don't don't even go up to the edge of awakening because it is scary because once you awaken to something, then you start questioning a lot. And then some of these fundamental roots that you have in life get uprooted. And then now where do I do, where do I go and who am I? And, and it can be very lonely, but kudos to you for, for staying on this journey. So keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so it was, it was really tough, you know. It, it, we're questioning. I can't even think of it. We, there wasn't anything we weren't questioning. I mean, I like everything, you know. But, but our marriage was a was was a big one. Our, our marriage was literally falling apart, and um, and we made the decision to try and find a therapist or a coach or, or you know or someone. And we we found these. Um, I think they call themselves relationship coaches. Um, so husband and wife. We really wanted like a couple. We just felt kind of that's a nice dynamic where you, you know both sides or you know relate to both of us. Um, so, so we went to the house and we, we basically started therapy, you know, and, uh, and it, it just, everything was still, everything was shocking, you know, just, just, for example, like marriage, we were taught in kind of Jewish faith, the marriage is about becoming one, you know, and then, and our first session, I don't know how it came up, but at the first session, the, um, these coaches say to us, 
it's not about being one. It's like you're meant to be like individuals. And, you know, and then as individuals, you know, kind of choose to come together. And it was just like my, oh, God, like another thing. Like, we don't know anything now. It's like, oh, it's just like, it just got worse. <laughs> um, so, they, you know, it's just like everything we believed was just, uh, you know, just being broken down and, you know, and it was just, and then commitment, you know, commitment for us was like a religious thing. And now it's like, I don't know, like, is commitment a thing? Like, does it matter? Um, are relationships important? Uh, it, you know, just uh, everything. I mean, yeah. you know, just, um, so so we went to them for a little bit. And I mean, it was really interesting. We went to different therapists and a lot of stuff started co- coming up. And, and we, to be a we, my wife and I went to really dark places. It was really getting kind of overwhelming. And same time, we were navigating how to kind of leave the community and 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 there were some funny times as well, like because we lived opposite the synagogue, so you know. But we didn't want to be restricted anymore. We weren't keeping anything at home, and I was kind of starting not to go to synagogue as much, but not really telling my parents what was going on. And it, it was, and I, I remember we wanted to go out on a Saturday, and, and Saturday morning is synagogue, you know, service. And it was like, as we drive out, we're gonna meet like everyone you know like you're keeping the sabbath so <laughs> so i just remember like my wife would put like big like black sunglasses on and kind of like shoot down <laughs> in her chair you know in the passenger seat and then she'll be like just get out of here quick <laughs> you know and, it, you know. and there, there was some kind of funny moments you know where we just trying to sneak around trying to kind of figure it all out um and yeah so we're grappling with that and then and then the other issue was you know, our children have Hebrew names, you know, and we're like, well, if we send them to a a non-Jewish school, it's not really fair that they're going to have these kind of biblical kind of Hebrew, very Jewish names. We just want sure, uh, you know, we want, you know, it's a big thing for our kids. We realize it's kind of major for our kids, like our decisions are now having an impact. We're kind of shattering our our kids, you know, security and safety and and comfort zone and so um, so my daughter was able to shorten her name, but there was a really interesting thing that happened to my son, because my, my son, there was, even if you shortened his name, it was still very biblical. <laughs> it was still very Hebrew. Like, it was, there wasn't a lot we could do. And my wife was quite clever. She would just kind of hint to him that, you know, uh, might be nice to explore different names. Or I can't remember how she did it, but she, she was just like putting hints, but we didn't want it to sound weird or like overwhelming. But the kids, our kids were very aware. We were very open about kind of the journey we were on and we had family kind of chats and discussions and you know we we're very open and and then my son it was just it was so random he just he wakes up one morning and he's like I had a dream I know what my name is and that's it and then wow. from then on that was his English name and that was it and it was never spoken about again and what the dream was I don't know but he just he knew like had a dream this is what I, this is my name and that was it and that's and you know and that, but 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 imagine having to go and tell your parents that your kids now have new names. That's and you huge. To, and you need to right. call them those. <laughs> and, I, yeah. and I was talking to a therapist about the time, and he was kind of helping me through. He was a, I think, a psychotherapist. I can't remember now. And um, <laughs> you know, and I got their names changed legally. I did all the paperwork, and and then I had to go and you know speak to my parents and and uh, and discuss that with them. And that's not anything that anyone wants to go through in life. Um, and and we did it, and I felt good. That I was brave, and I explained what was going on in our life, and I explained we're making changes. And my parents kind of sat and listened and asked some awkward questions, but we we kind of got through it. And it was all very awkward for a while. So we just kind of they didn't want to lose 
their relationship with us, but at the same time, it was already difficult. You know, my brother-in-law's a rabbi as well. So there's there's a lot of dynamics there. My wife's right. father's a rabbi, and you know, there's just kind of a lot going on. Um, so we're kind of navigating all that with our relationship. And and eventually we found a little school in Wales and we thought that'd be great for our kids. Um that's how we end up in Wales. So then we were able to move away from, from the Jewish community um, and kind of try and find, start like a new life where we're not constantly, well, we don't feel like we're running away, but we feel like we're just living, you know, our new life. Now, did you uh, have, did you have any, um, so you, you left Judaism. Did you leave God? I did for, for a while. And I, I got into really, really dark places. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I was suicidal at one point, you know, mm-hmm. not seriously. Like I didn't actually plan like a suicide, but I was having no, I, a lot yeah. of suicidal thoughts. I, I started thinking, I think it'll be easier. Mm-hmm. Just I get to go, that. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, I, I don't know where you are now, but I think a lot of people who question religion and question life and question who am I, what it's all about. Um, and if they question God and they, and they pull away from God, it can get very dark there. And a lot, lot will go through an atheist, you know, there is no God, and then ultimately come back. Did you ultimately come back in, yes. your, in a different way? I think in a very different way. Yeah. Um, and that started happening in Wales, where um, that original revelation, whatever it was that happened in Seattle, um, when I just kind of burst out laughing, um, that started coming back to me. And then I started listening to Sid Banks again because there was some kind of videos online and just trying to remind myself. And and those beautiful feelings started to come back. But I was starting to understand it a bit better this time because I can't explain why, but the place I was in now, I was kind of understanding what that was. And I don't know if I actually understand what it is, but it's like when you get outside of your head, I guess this is what I want to share with people. And it's really hard to share, but I thought, let's try. Sure, let's try. <laughs> um, is, you know, the mind's going chatter, 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 you know, kind of all day long. And then, and if your mind just goes quiet just for a minute, or this is how I experience it, and the mind goes quiet just for a second, I get this really strong feeling. And for me, that's the divine, you know, and that's the soul or the universe or, you know, I know there's so many names. And in a way, to me, it doesn't really matter what the name is. But for me, it's so strong and just pure love. And to me, it's just got to be spiritual. It's just, it's everything that spirituality could be. And and when I get out of my head, you know, I just, I get these beautiful sensations. And, and in that moment, it's like, it's everything's okay. And it doesn't matter if I've got a lot of money, I've got no money, if I've got a nice house, not a nice house. It's like, nothing could give me more than this experience. And to me, that's just pure spirituality. and. To me, that's also well-being, you know, because I work in a college and stuff now. Um, I hear a lot about well-being and and then, you know, they'll talk about, you know, go for a walk, have an early night, you know, all these types. It's very much about doing things to try and feel better. And for me, my experience taught me is do less. Like when you stop, well-being and spirituality to me are, are like the, the one and the same. It's like, you know, it's, it, it's pure health. And I feel like in the society and the surroundings I live in, everyone's looking for well-being out there, you know, and, and they're all kind of searching. It's a big topic now, which is great. And, you know, and, and they're kind of on the journey to, to find it. So they're, they're looking out there. And, and well-being doesn't actually exist. In my mind, it just doesn't exist in the physical world. And it is when, it's when everything stops 
you're there, you know. And and I deeply believe that we are spiritual, like we are spirituality, you know. We it's our essence. So it's actually when we stop, we find ourselves. You know, we're here and everything's okay. There's and nothing to seek. There's nothing to seek. And, yeah. and when you seek, it's like it's just you're back in the mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how I experience it. You know, as soon as you start seeking truth or or, or trying to figure something out you know, then it's kind of you're back in the personal mind. And then and then before you know it, you're lost. You know, I feel like once, once it's like, so once you activate the personal mind, it's like, oh, you're I'm back on again. And then it's like, it all, it's all nice. And then suddenly you're like, oh, no, it's not nice anymore. You know, it's as if like once you activate it, it just goes anywhere. It's like, you know, it's just kind of a mess. Um, and then, and, and one of the things I, I, I guess I realized was how to get to that place more often. And, and for me, is is listening. I, I just started um, realizing if I, if I, when I listen to people, I realized I never used to listen to people. <laughs> I used to, it's hard to explain, but I would, I would be thinking while I was listening, I mean, you know, like maybe thinking what I was going to say or, or judging them or just, it, it was, it's, it's strange, but it's like, I wasn't listening, you know, with a quiet, with like a quiet, open mind. Um and then it became like a bit of a practice, you know, like I, I was really enjoyed just listening to people until they stopped speaking, you know, rather than I used to be very prone to interrupting kind of halfway through or, you know, towards the end, you know, to kind of like jump in. And, um, and I just would listen, you know, and then when I would listen, that beautiful feeling would come, you know, I'd got, it's like I was end, as if like, because you can't think and listen at the same time, or that, that's how I experienced it. So when, when I was totally listening, then, then I'd go into into my true self, you know, into into my nature, back into spirituality, and then I'd just listen as well. Like I, I mean, I still do. I, I love it, but you know, just you know, when it's quiet, you know, I I just listen. And listening is so interesting because it's it's not quiet as if I would have thought quiet is. I I can kind of hear, but I can't explain. I don't know what I hear or, or what you hear when your mind goes quiet. Sometimes it feels like is it energy or. But it's kind of just interesting. I mean, obviously, sometimes you hear nature or birds and it's beautiful, you know, and sometimes it's just very quiet, but there's something to the quiet, you know, and it's, it's kind of a magical thing. But I, for me, it is spirituality is about this feeling, you know, it's really so th- there are many techniques out there and I think they're all valid. And I think there must be a multitude of paths, you know, to, to help individuals go inside. And there's so many different ways of doing it. But I think, and I don't know what your perspective and your you know listeners' perspective are, but I think ultimately everything's pointing to the same place. Like ultimately, it's all a inner experience. It, it is somehow, I, I think that what I experience is this absolute kind of love and joy and this this kind of inner experience. I feel like as if like all the spiritual teachers are just pointing there, coming from all different angles, but all all like kind of ultimately trying to have the same experience. Um yeah, and the world is so loud <laughs> and so alluring, and it, it, everything is like it's like it's like we've been placed in this in this place where where the answer is within. Like you say, it's like it's it's here, it's right here. We can go anywhere, and it's right here. There's no, it's ne- it's never going to elude us. But there's all this calling of all the chatter out there, and also the judgment of our mind that pulls us away from that. And I think it's just kind of maybe, I don't know, maybe it's just a test for us to keep coming back to ourselves. I'm very intrigued by this practice of listening. So like, this is like a spiritual practice for you. Yeah, but it is, I don't, I don't set a time to do it. I just, I really just enjoy it. it. 
and and it's quite and it's a challenge like you know uh, is sometimes you know like you know my chatter mind is you know all the, the the thoughts are coming and it's like oh someone's speaking so I, I can listen and it's like, and then when I start listening I get a nice feeling so the the more I do it the more the less enticed I am by my thoughts and the more because I know it's so enjoyable when I listen you know um, but even at work you know it's um, sometimes when I'm working it's just it's listening like to to you know to the keyboard you know to 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 little notifications you know there's nothing it's amazing. bringing you to the present it's like whatever whatever is happening is is keeping you in the present i think and i i think this is so interesting alan i'm so glad you're talking about this because we learn a lot about or we hear a lot about you know meditation and observing your thoughts or you know there's all these practices but listening I mean, as I started to say listening is so easy. I, I don't know that it's easy because most of us don't do it. <laughs> but it's there for us all the time, you know. So the idea that I don't need to create a special space, I don't need to have an altar. I, I mean, it's all great if I do or have a certain time of day that I come apart or I have, I go to a class. I mean, I mean the opportunity to listen is all the time. Yeah. and. Even like at work, you know, like some of my, you know, one of my team will come in, you know, for a chat about something. And and for me, it's quite an exciting opportunity to, you know, to see if I can listen to them all the way until they stop speaking, you know. And, you know, when I do, I feel like you just, it's like you're out of your head. And like you said, you're here. You know, I guess that's what people call the now, you know, you're, you're in the now. And and it's beautiful. And, and, and another thing, just talking about the now is... I used to think when I would hear people talk about getting in the now, like Eckhart Tolle is, you know, very famous for that. Um, And Sid Banks, who I learned from, was big into that. And I used to think at times, like, why would I want to be in the now? Like, the now is horrible. You know, when when time (laughs) is Get out of here. (laughs) Like, question it. Like, maybe nice for you, you know, but I don't want to be in the now. Like, I want to be everywhere but the now, you know. Um, But I started to realize the now is... The now is not here in your problems. The now is a, is a it's kind of a spiritual place, you know. It's, yeah. it's when you're outside your head and it's quiet and you just it's, it's that feeling. I just feel like it always comes back to that feeling. And then and you and when you're outside your head, it's, the whole world looks different. You know what what you perceive as a problem just the problem kind of disappears. But also certain things become more enhanced. You know, so you'll see a flower or just sitting in your office and there'll be a picture or. Or just like white walls, you know, my office has a lot of white. It's like the whiteness is more white. You know, nice. when you go out of your head, it's kind of things are more enhanced. And, and to me, that's what the now is. It's just, it's not that suddenly you go into your problems that you currently have. It's, it's the opposite. Your problems are kind of created by your personal thoughts, you know, and it is kind of when you listen and your thoughts start, it's hard to explain, but that now is beautiful. That's all I can say, you know. Yeah. And I, th- I think that anything can be happening outside you. I mean, I tell the story a lot of the the chief um, sitting bull. Um, I, it was in the, the, the West. Um, so any, anyway, he was in a battle and all of the bullets were, you know, coming across the field. And this is kind of a, you know, the American government versus the Native Americans back in those days. And sitting bull just walked across the battlefield in the... <laughs> With bullets all going all around him, and he went out into the middle, and he just sat. Maybe that's why he's called Sitting Bull. But this wasn't just about like evading all of the bullets that were coming. This was about his frame of mind. 
that was probably not in the mind. You know, he, he, was, he was probably outside of his mind, like you talk about, outside of his head, and creating this, this space that would seem like magical by his own being. And out of that, you know, he, he, he didn't get hit by anything, which it's just such an interesting, maybe it's lore, maybe it's mythical story, but I still love the story because I think that's, whether it's true or not, I think it's a wonderful metaphor for being in that divine space where you're in the now and you're not judging or in the past or the present and you feel all of the fullness of being what doesn't matter what's going on around you? You know, who could really harm you? Is anybody out there who could really harm you? I mean, this is like, I think this is our essence and this is, this is, what, this is who we are created to be and you're experiencing it and you're helping other people experience it through your story. Because I think that this is so important. This is our, I mean, I, I want to say it's our line of defense and that's not even a good word because there's nothing to defend ourselves from, but we get so overwhelmed by the problems of the world. And it sounds like you're able to create this space in your life where the problems of the world have no real significance. Is that true? Yeah, uh, to, to some degree. You know, like I, I spend very little time really. You know, I do watch the news sometimes, you know. And, but, oh, don't um, do that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, um, it has very little meaning to me because it doesn't, it's not, I mean, it, it it's not where the answers lie, you know. You know, the, the answers don't lie with the problems. Uh, and, you know, I was kind of umming and ahhing if I should talk about my story, if I should talk about what I know, you know, because, you know, I've kind of had this insight, you know, for a while. And I think the hard thing for me is I see a lot of suffering around me. You know, I'm not, I'm not talking about global because obviously there is a lot of suffering <laughs> way beyond that I see living in, you know, beautiful Wales. But, it's just even suffering, you know, with people I work with and seeing people with mental anguish. And, you know, one lady in passing once said to me, I can't stop my mind, you know. Mm. And I feel like, well, it's not really appropriate for me to be maybe, I don't know if I should talk now, or, you know, it was kind of, a, I don't know, like some um, staff do or something. And, and you know, and, and then I hear people talking and I, you know, and I, and I see people getting ill and I, and it's really hard to watch it's really hard to watch, I guess, you know, and to see to see people suffer. And, you know, I mean, not necessarily all the time, but, you know, a lot of the time it could be avoided and it's it's just a lack of understanding. And and they just haven't probably ever been exposed, you know, to to any concept of being able to go outside of your head and, and, and looking for beautiful feelings inside. Or It's really, uh, I get quite emotional, but it, it's really hard to, to watch how lost, you know, so many people are, you know, and and it's innocence. I mean, there, there, no one teach. Well, don't say no one. There, there's loads of books out there and stuff. But it's amazing how people don't seem to. Most people don't know they exist or have the thought to, you know, to read them. You know, it hasn't. It's kind of not in their world. You know, it's not on their vibration or you know whatever you want to say. So it's um. So yes, I started feeling this this kind of desire that it might not be right to speak about your work so much. But maybe I can start sharing, you know, and then and then maybe things will happen, you know, and I can start helping because uh, I think there's a huge design. I, I feel like, you know, because well-being is becoming such a big topic. It's like people know now that the that feeling good is important, you know, and that, and that money. I feel like people are coming to like this realization it's not all about work and money and and, and people are taking well-being seriously. But, but I feel like a lot of people are in the dark, you know, and kind of rummaging around and. 
looking for things and attachments, you know, so they'll start exercising um, and then that'll become like an attachment. So if they don't exercise one day, they feel rubbish, you know, or, mm-hmm. you know, they'll, they'll look for things or um, to attach themselves to rather than realizing that what they're looking for is inside. <laughs> I remember Sid once said, really, you know, he said, I think he was in the 70s or something. Like everyone was like running off to India, you know, and trying to have these like amazing experiences and meet for the Dalai Lama, I don't know, you know, all these kind of really big people. And, um, and he was like, you know, the cheaper option is just look in the mirror. <laughs> you, <know>? <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to go that far. Yeah, so yeah, it, so- it sounds to me like you have a desire to help people. It, it, like you, you, you have a desire to help or to uh, at least expose them to something that could help them. I, I think th- I, this is hard. I, this is hard for me too. Okay. So I think it takes a lot of discernment about does a person want, does a person want to change their life or not? Because not everybody does, but some do. And how do you discern? You know, I think it takes, you really got to reach inside to that gift of discernment that we all have and discern whether this person wants to hear your story or not. And I, I think this is going to be a path that you may be on for a while. I think this podcast may be out there and, and, and help wake some people up. But when you see people suffering or with their, their, their nose to the grind, they're, looking down or is just suffering in life in general because so many people are just really asleep we've all and i don't mean that as a judgment i've been asleep we've all been conditioned to live a certain way we've not been conditioned to go inside like you say and the key is inside so it it sounds to me like you you want to be a person who can help point people to their inside yeah, I'll, I'll say that spot on. And like you said, it's also doing it in an appropriate way. So uh-huh. when I saw your podcast was called like the Spiritual Forum, it was like, okay, so you know your listeners are likely to be people just open, you know, and and kind of on a journey themselves, you know. And and I think you're totally right. It's not it's not appropriate, you know. To, not everyone's ready to go on a journey, or and why should I even judge if they should go on the journey? You know, exactly. Like, it's not like I understand life. I I don't. I there's. There's loads of questions, you know, um, I have about life. Um, and there's loads I don't understand. So it's not for me to say, oh yeah, you should be, you know, you need to be enlightened, or you know, you need to right, you know, you go do inside. What I do. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's, it's nice to give people their space, and I feel like I, yeah, I feel like it's just nice to come to places like here, you know, on a podcast where you know people are on the journey and people are looking and interested, you know. And then if I can help anyone in some way you know, to have that beautiful feeling and to, to get in touch with all that, you know, spirituality inside then, you know, it's beautiful. Yeah. I have just one thought about this. And that is, I think that the the art of asking questions in a, approaching a person is probably the lightest touch possible. And I, I, I just think if you, so I know you, I know you have a Jew, Jewish background. I would have a Christian background, but Again, we can take these stories as metaphorical or literal, but um, in in the, the the Christian Gospels, Jesus would never go in and just heal somebody. He would say, "Do you want to be healed?" You know, he would ask that question, and I think it's a really interesting approach that may work for you sometime when you see somebody that is in despair. Do you want to feel better? You know, this is just an idea as opposed to, hey, you need to go on this inner journey or ignoring them altogether because somebody may want to say, somebody may actually say yes and be able to use your help 
Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I think it's a new journey for me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm in a new place in life. I go, you know, like I have a, a normal job as it were, you know, I, ne- I never had normal jobs, but I was always teaching and, you know, I was in, I, mean, I had a weird existence in my early twenties. I mean, I, if I would, um, if I needed a bookshelf, you know, to be built, it's like, it was like one phone call and someone would be there and it'd be built for me. Cause I was like the rabbi, I was like, you know, the, the kind of spiritual figure. And, you know, I was in my early twenties and then, and now I live like a more normal life, you know, and I build things myself and, 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 and it's just kind of navigating the new life where I can still share, you know, and I don't know where, where I'm going to go, you know, with it. Um, and like you said, just like exploring different approaches, you know, I like what you're saying. Yeah. I have a, I have a question for you in, when you told your story and when you were doing in the four and a half years and you were really, 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 really devoted to the study, and then you said that you um, you burst into tears and it seemed like you had this kind of moment of surrender, you know, and I'm wondering if then the next day the guy shows up in the cafeteria, I, I'm wondering if if the answer to that prayer hasn't been your whole life, you know, not just that guy showing up the next day do you oh, know what i'm saying started something or... it started something and it kept going and it kept going and it kept going it wasn't just like that guy was the answer to your prayer but you you kind of surrendered to the divine it sounded like to me you know like you want to know what is real or and and then you you've been getting answers ever since that moment yeah is i like the word surrender i think that's what it was it was it was a it was like i don't know yeah. i surrender uh, and I've never thought about it like that, but I was that beginning of a whole chain of things that followed. I, I think that's 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 fascinating. It I really think. is. I mean, that's how it sounds to me, because it sounds like that was a really, I, I think some of us have these on our knees kind of experiences. And I, I mean that metaphorically, you don't have to be on your knees, but I do think there is this kind of palms open, like I'm, I, I'm, I'm lost, I can't find it on my own. And I, I surrender. And I'm paraphrasing, I'm not saying you said those words, but it's kind of that kind of moment. And, and I think when we do that, that the universe, God, divine, source, <laughs> whatever all those words you want to use, it, it's, it's there to create a path. Now that path may take us into dark, dark places, you know, 23rd Psalm, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow, <laughs> but I'm with you. And, you know, again, whether you believe that literally or figuratively, it's a beautiful poem. And that you've been, the divine has been walking with you all of this time. And whatever your next thing is, because it sounds like you're wanting, you're ready to express yourself more and share this amazing experience, this amazing life you've had. And I, I just think about breaking away from a family tradition that's so deeply rooted would be so, so hard. And it takes so much strength and energy and this path that you've forged for yourself, it just feels like it's divinely guided. And I just really think that the next step for you is also divinely guided. And, you know, you may or may not want to be, you know, a person who's guiding people to this, their center, but I, I feel like that's what's, what's up for you next and that you're going to be guided in how to do that, starting here. <laughs> <laughs> I um. Yeah, I, I think that experience that happened, you know, when I surrendered and, you know, that kind of, I think that's what made it really hard being an atheist, you know, during that right. period, because yeah. it kept coming into my head and it, and I, I, it was hard to find kind of a, at the time, you know, I wanted like logical, you know, I want everything to kind of be logical and, 
and that experience kept coming up. It's like, oh, but that just doesn't quite fit. You know, <laughs> kind of, how do I deal with that? You know, and, and um, so, so there, there is something about that experience because it was so in my face, you know, that, that it, it, it did kind of guide me, you know. I, I do want to say as well, because I think this might be important for some listeners. So I don't know if any of your listeners have, have left religion and it's not just Judaism. You know, there are other forms, even I think there are other strict forms of Christianity and Islam, you know, different, different yes. religions where it's very hard to leave, you know, if you do choose to leave. Um, that I, I actually have a really nice relationship with my parents now and, and my wife has a good relationship with her family and we and we did work on it you know and it's um and it's not perfect and sometimes I still don't know quite what's going on in their head like do they think I'm going to hell or you know like you know you kind of do I, I don't know but but we, we've kind of come to a mutual understanding and and my, my parents you know get on well with my kids and you know they'll, they'll chat and and they've also taken an interest in certain things you know, that my kids do that aren't necessarily the religious things to do, you know, just stuff. But it, I say that because I, I think that's important for some people to hear because um, I know that relationship, you know, you don't want to lose that relationship with your mm-hmm. parents if you can help it. And you know, that's not always in our control. But my wife and I, we really did want to work on it. We, we, we felt like it was important, you know, to, to try and hold on to. And there were certain times where we just couldn't because we had so much real processing. We just needed space. But eventually we were able to to engage. And I, I think it's nice, you know, if you can, you know, to try and come to that kind of a place of understanding, you know. Staying connected with the the your birth family is very important. I know there's times where you actually do, situations you actually do have to cut, cut ties for maybe abuse or whatever. But I think short of that, staying connected is is so valuable to your your psyche and your soul. So that's so interesting that you're able to make such a dramatic shift away from your family tradition and stay connected. Yeah, I, I had one one experience because I, I was seeing a therapist at the time, and it, it really um, it was funny. He turned out to be Jewish, but I had no idea he was Jewish when I. Uh, <laughs> so that was kind of fascinating, and he was never religious, but it was just kind of interesting. Uh, and I stayed with him for a little bit. He was very expensive, but I just kind of had a few sessions with him, um, and he encouraged me to go and kind of have it out with my kids, with my with my parents. I think he called it like just open conversation and. <laughs> and and I and I did it. I this was a while back, but I, I basically I went to the house. I asked to see them, and um, and I literally just spilled out like just stuff from my childhood that was bothering me. You know, like like just oh, it's just I still can't work out if it was a good idea or not. I'll be honest. <laughs> I, 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 I think it was good. I mean, it's worked out well in the end, but I, I don't know if it's something, I, I just don't know if it's something I'd recommend, but it was, I just kind of, I just got it all off my chest. I mean, it was just this kind of whoosh, like it all just, everything I was angry about, it was just like kind of everything just came out because I had a lot of anxiety as a kid, just loads of things and just things that I was upset about the way my parents treated me. And, you know, I wasn't abused or anything, but just things that really bothered me. And I felt like it made my life so difficult, you know, growing up. and. Um, and they listened, but that was really awkward. But but I felt amazing after it. And, and when I went back to the to the therapist, he was like, he was like, wow, he was like, I've mentioned that to people before, but no one's done it that quickly. You know, like, <laughs> I like done it within three days or something, you know. And he was like, oh wow. 
And I think that's just my intensity. Like, I don't know. But when he said, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll do it, you know, it kind of felt like the right thing to do. But um, but it was definitely good for me because um, I, I really had it out with my father and I really needed to do that. Like, I mean, it, it, I, I think in my journey, it, it, it was good. And um, and then it was quite tense after that. Like, it didn't seem good. But I, I think ultimately it was good. <laughs> um, we at least were able to kind of come together Um yeah, it's just kind of interesting that that episode, you know. I mean, the, the truth hurts, can hurt. The truth can hurt, but once it's out there, then you then you have the opportunity to actually be in relationship. You know, I think it's the withholding of the truth that creates stagnancy and awkwardness in relationships. But um, I mean, as a parent, that would be torturous. <laughs> <laughs> to have my grown-up child come in here and tell me everything. But I can also see that the slate would be clean then. It's like, okay, you've spoken your piece, you know, maybe I want to speak a little of my piece. And then and then and then you're two authentic people or three authentic people in your situation that now you now you've like laid yourselves bare and now now you can be related. Yeah. And I, and I think for me what was fascinating just thinking about it now was I thought my father would get really angry. Like that was my thinking. And that's why I was always scared to kind of have any deep, open, kind of meaningful conversation with him about things bothering me. And he didn't get angry. And that for me was like, whoa. Yeah. No, I, I didn't expect that. And that was a game changer for me. So, so they, they, like you said, like laying it all out there. And it, it, it for me, like it ended up being quite, quite positive, you know, because I kind of had this fear that was just made up in my head. Right. It's your mind. Yeah. Your mind plays out all the scenarios, what could happen and who they're going to be and how, what I'm going to say and what they're going to say. <laughs> yeah. Well, Alan, this has been such a great time. I, I want to uh, close, but I want to give you the opportunity to say what anything else you want to say, uh, anything else you want to say to the world out there and, or anything else you've learned or anything that I haven't covered with you. Well, firstly, just thank you so much. Good. This has been like a journey for me. Like this, this is the first time that I've ever <clears throat> spoken about this in public, and I've hardly spoken to anyone, even you know people I know. So it, it's been a beautiful journey. So <laughs> thank you for allowing me to go on this journey. Um, I, I guess all I would say is I I would love people to be open to. Um, I don't know if they have to try the listening. I just feel like that that's just something I do. But it's just first, if they don't know yet, just know that everything they want is inside like if they really want a new car what they really want is a feeling of having a new car <laughs> you know like just to be open because it and and the feeling you can have you know inside and uh, when it's when there's no attachments to it you know when it, you just you just open um it, it's just magical you know and i think it's so freeing when it's not that you shouldn't buy the car you know like, it's just just to know that you don't need the car and you can still feel amazing i just feel like just to be open to that truth that the, 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 there is a truth to that. Um, and, and, you know, people who might be in dark places, you know, or struggling is, is just to know that they are health, they are pure spiritual, spirituality, and it, it's always there. And however lost they might feel like, they're, they're not far from the truth. Like, it, it can't go anywhere. You know, their, their, their health, everything they're looking for is inside. And, and if their mind could just go quiet just for, you know, a split second, you know, that they'll feel that, you know. That's so beautiful. I, I love your story. And I, I would love to see how the rest of your life goes. I think, I, I don't know how old you are. How old are you now? 
I'm 39. So just See, a, a you're very book. young. You're very young to have this realization and this awareness and to have gone through all this questioning and to, you know, find this, the gold within you. You're very young. So it's like, I, I just feel like the wind is at your back. The divine is really going to open up a path for you because at 39, you're already this aware. And, and I, I, I'm just, I'd love to see how your life, how your life goes. So it's, it's been really a pleasure to, to listen to your story. And I really appreciate your, your coming on and talking with me about it. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me in. And hopefully we can, you know, keep each other updated. And we stay. will. Yeah. I just, it's just so exciting. So thank you everybody. Thank you listeners for listening to Alan's wonderful story. And I know there are people out there who've been touched by this and who's, you know, you've given them the opportunity to, to question their life or relook at something or, or decide, decide maybe <laughs> they don't need that new car. And, and the, the whole, um, the gift of listening, I'm, that's my big takeaway. I've got a lot of takeaways from this one, but the gift of listening is something that is so available to every single one of us that we can do this like right now and that that could change our lives. So thank you for the gift of, of teaching us about that. It was my pleasure. Thank, thank you for having me. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. And I now close the spiritual forum. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, you can let me know by leaving a positive rating and review on your favorite podcast app or make a tax-deductible donation at thespiritualforum.org. The Spiritual Forum is a podcast, prayer, and retreat ministry affiliated with Unity Worldwide Ministries. Thank you again for being a part of the Spiritual Forum community. And remember, you are an amazing, divine, and powerful being. Thank you.